0: Welcome, guys. This is the Stefan Levera podcast, where we focus on Bitcoin and the technology and economics of Bitcoin. So today we have a really special guest. He's a real expert, a leading expert in Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. He is Dr. Christian Decker of Blockstream. So Christian, welcome to the show. And I have to say I'm a big fan of your work.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Stefan. Uh, I have to say I'm a long-time listener and I'm really, really happy to be joining you today.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, well, look, so I think there's been a lot of chatter around, you know, Bitcoin's community on Twitter and so on around what might happen in the future. And one of the ideas that you have presented in one of your papers that you wrote, I think it was in, uh, was it, what is it, 2016, I, I think. Yeah, So yeah, basically- must have been
1: 2016, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's called uh, Scalable Funding of Bitcoin Micropayment Channel Networks, right? So I think um, that's kind of the the discussion of where we're going to go, but it might be good to set some of the context. All right. So we're speaking now, it's March 2019. People who want to use Bitcoin on-chain right now, given the fees and you know that, they pretty much, they can do so at low fees, so long as they're willing to wait and they're not kind of They need instant confirmation and so on. But obviously, that may not hold true forever. And Uh the other contextual part is just that Lightning Network, as it is now, would be considered more like a single-party channel setup. And that has certain limitations. Um, uh, And from watching a a roast beef presentation, uh, I think it was uh, Scaling Bitcoin in uh, Japan, uh, he, he spoke of a few. So some, he mentioned there was a topology limitation. He mentioned that we can't dynamically create new channels off-chain. And probably the most important one that people will be interested to understand is this idea that over time, not every single person in the world will be able to have a single UTXO. So that's probably some of the context. Do you want to add any comments there around some of the limitations there?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the the principal one is, of course, that uh, that we have this uh, topology uh, topology limitation where we uh, sort of, if we create a, uh, a lightning channel in the current lightning network, it's basically just locking up funds towards one uh, one other endpoint, and we can't reallocate those funds easily to another uh, destination. Um, should that endpoint uh, not be able to route to where to where we want to, or where we uh, or uh, res- uh, sh- uh, turn out to be uh, to be offline at points. So that that was the original inspiration. Basically, we want to be uh, be able to use our funds in uh, in different channels depending on what our current needs are, and not what we predicted like a few days before. Uh, we want to uh, to make all of these funds more flexible and be able to uh, reallocate them among uh, channels. Uh, the idea that there will not be uh, will not be enough uh, UTXOs is uh, quite an interesting one, and one that I personally hadn't considered uh, for a long time. But uh, it it can actually work out that the, that we can collectively manage some funds in a group of uh, of people, and uh, these funds can be represented as a single output on uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and uh, we basically just then just then hold the the splitting transaction and who owns what from these from this output uh, at, um, in, in our back pocket, um, and all of this is is a bit of a um, of a special uh, a specialization of what we call off chain protocols, and we can talk about this later. Uh, but it really is about flexibility and uh, and extending the reach of uh, of Bitcoin and. Uh, its usability in the uh, in the wider economy
0: fantastic well yeah so i mean let's let's start talking about that then so this general concept of multi-party um you know off-chain protocols
1: yeah so um i mean the uh, the idea is pretty simple all right we uh, all of these off-chain protocols lightning uh, included are basically just us uh a par- uh, multiple parties that do not exactly trust each other we put some money on the table and as long as the money is on the table we have to agree on how we split it up right uh this is this is a very old concept that that has been around since the first version of the of the bitcoin client basically that we uh, that we want to have a way of um basically agreeing on how to split some funds and then be able to update that at a, a very high frequency without ever touching the blockchain itself and um the way we implement the table, so to speak, is basically just to uh, just to have a multi-signature address that requires a signature from all different parties, and then uh, to to create an update. And uh, the main difficulty in these off uh, in these off chain protocols is that we now have the latest state represented as a transaction, and we need to somehow update or invalidate the old state and make it so that we can't apply it anymore. And this has indeed been a very old concept uh, going back even to the end sequence numbers in the original client. Um, but there have been different different implementations and different inventions about how we can invalidate these old states. And basically all of these off-chain protocols differentiate th- themselves through these update mechanisms. Um, <clears throat> now, for Lightning, we are limited to basically having two parties having the uh, because we uh, we are reliant on this uh, penalty mechanism where we say, hey, if you ever publish an old state, then I will punish you by reacting to it by stealing your funds because well, you said you promised me that you wouldn't use this old state. Um, so, multi-party channels where we have more than uh, than two parties are not really a thing we can do in Lightning. But we can, uh, we can create these off-chain uh, uh, protocols with uh, multiple parties quite easily with, uh, with other technologies like, uh, like the Duplex Micropayment Channel uh, proposal that I proposed three or four years ago now, um, and, uh, and with our paper from last year called L2, which which really allows us to to have basically an N of N multi-party channel where we can freely reallocate funds from one party to another without being bound to, uh, uh, to uh, individual channels between pairs of, uh, of parties. Um, now that, that's all cool and that's that's really interesting, but what it turns out to, uh, to enable is that we can actually layer multiple of these off-chain protocols quite easily because, well, these off chain protocols are basically built on an, uh, on an output. And uh, this output doesn't really have to exist at the time uh, we, we want to build our off chain protocol. We just have to have uh, confidence that it might eventually exist. And that's the, uh, the whole idea of channel factories, right? Um, we, build, we build a multi party channel where we have like 15 or 15 uh, parties and then we bootstrap point-to-point channels on top of this bigger set of 15 people. And the way we do that is basically by having, uh, by having the settlement transaction include the output that would be needed to create this channel. Now, the major advantage of this is basically that uh, this output not being unchained, we can actually go back and remove it again and uh, and build a different uh, different con- uh, different off chain protocol on top of it. So this gives us the flexibility of actually having uh, uh, of creating and tearing down uh, Lightning channels on top of a group of people uh, without without having to ever touch the the Bitcoin blockchain itself. And this gives us a flexibility that might be interesting for scaling. Um, And it gives us a lot of flexibility as to where to send money and how to allocate these uh, channels.
0: Fantastic. Um, A few questions that came to my mind just through that explanation. Now, a couple things that we are kind of reliant on for Lightning Network. Obviously, there's a few things around security. One thing is we're keeping the keys hot rather than keeping them cold. That's a key one that most people understand. That's a trade-off we're making in order to have access to these lower fee payments a couple other things that we do also have to consider though is in a scenario where the block blocks do start to become full then as part of the lightning you know for me to open a channel for me to close a channel or if even if somebody's trying to cheat me and say my watchtower or my software detects that and tries to um, stop stop that person from cheating me it relies on me being able to get my transaction mined into a block. So yes. could you just comment a little bit on that aspect of it?
1: Um, so the the main point is that we, uh, we have very strict timing uh, constraints about uh, when we need our transaction to be confirmed. All of these off-chain protocols are uh, uh, basically built on top of uh, timeouts. And if we can't guarantee that if during this timeout, the transaction would be confirmed, uh, then we're... Sort of out of luck because suddenly our security is gone. Um, so us as off-chain protocol developers and uh, us as users of these protocols are very happy to overpay on-chain fees and basically pay. Uh, I think currently it's like three times the fee for Lightning, and uh, we will we will make it worthwhile for miners to include our transactions. Um, this is this is also something that that comes often uh, comes up often when uh, when we talk about the extreme extrapolations of, of lightning right um, if everybody just moves on on lightning will there be uh, be enough fees collected on chain such that it's worthwhile for miners to to still secure the network and uh, <clears throat> since we have these these different timing constraints we are very happy to overpay but it's not. It's not that we are actually paying more. It's just that we get more use out of uh, out of these fees as well. I mean, if we if we settle a, a settle a Lightning channel, then uh, over these Lightning channels, we we might have had like millions of transfers, and we aggregate the fees that we collected from these millions of transfers into what then becomes an on-chain uh, uh, fee. So. It's, uh, it's as much a, a transfer aggregation mechanism as well as a fee aggregation mechanism for miners. Now, um, you mentioned the opposite scenario where the on-chain uh, volume becomes so high that, that we can't really guarantee our our timing constraints anymore. Um, and that would be really sad indeed, um, but uh, the, the, the usual answer is we can, we can actually uh, decide on these timeouts ourselves. So we can, we can tweak these timeout, uh, timeouts such that if we see uh, an increase in, uh, in load on the network, we can actually react and, and say, hey, now instead of oh, a day, we wait like two days for this. And we can make it, make it uh, more probable that, that this actually gets settled in time. Um, on the other hand, of course, moving, st- uh, moving transactions onto the Lightning network uh, will also reduce the load on the Bitcoin network. So I think there will be a balance between, between on-chain and off-chain transfers where um, some really high volume transfers will stay on-chain. Of course, this is, this is not a replacement for Bitcoin. It's a, uh, it's a complementary system. But uh, uh, most of the smallish payments will definitely move on to Lightning because it's more efficient. You get this real-time aspect of payments and you, uh, and you sort of pay also less because, well, you, you're not dealing with on-chain transactions, which are, tend to be a bit more expensive. Mm, Yeah,
0: fascinating points. And I think, yeah, definitely agreed that we're going to see, look, ultimately, if Bitcoin's block space is valuable, people will be willing to pay for it. And Mm -hmm. there is a natural trade off that we will see over time, because Bitcoin transactions are charged based on how much block space you're using, which is kind of how many UTXOs you're using, whereas lightning fees could be reflected or the cost for which could be reflected in how much of your channel liquidity I am using up as part of my transaction. So I think we will naturally see some equilibrium develop in terms of using Bitcoin on-chain transaction versus Lightning payment. So I think that's um, one key component. Um, But I'm also curious to get your thoughts on um, this idea of kind of how long channels can stay open so my understanding is some of the earlier conceptions of lightning had a limit but then um, there is this concept of a kickoff transaction that enables us to now have unlimited channel length could you comment on that
1: yes so uh the basic idea is basically that uh, if uh, if we want to establish some sort of off-chain contract then one of us or multiple of us have to put in some money right and uh if i put ten dollars on the table and and you just walk away and i don't have any any way of grabbing that money back then well i'm i'm sort of out of money without getting anything from it and even worse you could start blackmail, uh, blackmailing me right you could come to me and say hey you can get one dollar back if you send the remaining nine to me otherwise i won't collaborate anymore um and to sort of remove this necessity, we basically create what's called a refund transaction. This refund transaction is a time lock transaction that will become valid after a certain timeout. And uh, this refund transaction will basically take whatever we put into this off-chain contract and will basically just split it back up. Uh, now, this time lock is, of course, a limit on the lifetime of our system itself. Uh, if I say hey in a week you can actually get your money back um, then all you have to do is wait a week and then you can get your money back n- n- uh, regardless of, of what we decided in, in between right um, so uh, this is this is a very common scenario for all of these all of these systems um, and we can sidestep it by by having a, a, a what I usually referred to as a trigger transaction, which basically says we add a an intermediate step where I say, okay, uh, we create this, we put money on the table. If we have a trigger transaction, which then triggers the timeout to start ticking and we have a refund transaction. So the, uh, the timeout does not start ticking until we get this trigger transaction on, cha- wow. on the blockchain and from that point of time uh, where we have the trigger transaction we can uh, we can just wait for the timeout to expire and and then we have we have this illim- uh, unlimited uh lifetime of uh, of our contract now there's two downsides here uh this uh, the the first one is that we suddenly have cre- increased our on-chain footprint by an additional transaction and the second one is of course that uh we have to monitor for this trigger transaction to be on uh, on the blockchain, because well, if uh, if we so if we continuously uh, discuss on uh, on who gets the well, what's called the setup output, and suddenly there's this trigger transaction added to it, then we might get detached from from what we are actually discussing, right? So we were expecting only the setup transaction to be there now there's an update uh, the trigger transaction so what do we do now so this adds a bit of complexity but it's a really clean mechanism of uh, of uh, of extending our lifetime indefinitely for for these off-chain contracts
0: fantastic okay so look let's um now sort of focus in on what Lightning Network is today versus what a possible construction might look like in a channel factory scenario. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, you're the expert here. But in Lightning Network, uh, let's say I'm a peer, I have a node, and I, I, you know, I do LN CLI, or, you know, whatever. I connect to you. I open the channel to you. That is the funding transaction, and then we yep. exchange the states over time, so changing the balance between you and me, and then. Say I want to close that that is a commitment transaction, and that now commits that to the like the final balance. now, could you mm-hmm. explain perhaps the difference there between what the channel factories' model would look like
1: yeah, just just one small correction uh, the uh, uh the commitment transaction are basically the re- representing our state, and uh, uh, because we need to have all means in our hand to to enforce the state if if our counterpart disappears so uh, so you basically just just exchange commitment transactions, and then eventually one of them will make it onto the Bitcoin blockchain, right. and that basically then just closes the channel. Yeah. Um, in um, uh, in a, a, a channel factory uh, scenario, we basically would just meet as a group of uh, of people, let's say ten. Um, we would pool some money. Uh, we would we would create one big multi-sig where uh, uh, where all of us uh, add some funds and depending on who added how much to this uh, to this multi-sig address, uh, our initial state would reflect that right if uh, if uh, uh, if Alice adds uh, three bitcoins and uh, and Bob adds four bitcoins and uh, Charlie adds one bitcoin, then the initial states will be three, four and one yeah um, and that is basically then our first commitment transaction w- would be okay. Uh, just pay everybody back what whatever he he got. Now, uh, if we want to create a channel in this in this channel factory, let's say between uh, Alice and Bob, we would basically split off the uh, the the funds that we want to have in that channel. Let's say Bob and Alice agree to each put one Bitcoin in it and then we our state would basically be alice has 2 bitcoins bob has 3 bitcoins and charlie still has 1 bitcoin and there is this fourth output which has 2 bitcoins in it which represents then the channel right yes okay so we, we basically set aside some uh, some funds and we use that to create a new channel and uh, once we agree that that this is the new state Alice and Bob can start uh, changing their internal state on who owns what uh, in this channel. And uh, if everything goes, uh, falls to pieces and the, the entire channel, uh, the, the entire channel factory closes, then we end up with these four outputs on the blockchain, right? Uh, Alice, Bob's, and Charlie's uh, um, funds. And we end up with a fourth one, which is, which is the channel where, between Alice and Bob. And then Alice and Bob can then start either continue to use it or they can settle uh, settle this channel as well. So it's really just about allocating outputs and and moving these outputs back. Now if we if Alice and Bob get tired of of using this channel or want to change their balances somehow, they basically go and say, "Hey, uh, please fold these funds back in into into uh, our uh, into our direct balances, so to speak. Um, so let's uh, let's say Alice transferred the entirety of her funds on that channel to Bob. So Bob now owns two Bitcoins in that channel. And now we just settle this, this, uh, this uh, um, nested uh, Lightning channel and we add two Bitcoins to Bob's balance and zero to Alice's. And now we are back in a scenario where we have just three outputs, each representing uh, Alice Bob's and Charlie's uh, funds. So, and we can do this, this over and over again in a very flexible manner, but as long as the channel factory doesn't settle on chain, all of this just happens off chain and the blockchain never, never learns anything about this, this happening.
0: Fantastic. And so this would be much better for privacy and much better from a, Reduce block space usage so could you comment a little bit on uh yeah just block space usage in the different models
1: yeah so the um basically in the in the fully collaborative case where where we create a uh where we create a a multi-party channel and then create some some nested lightning uh, channels and then we tear them down again and then we settle them um Basically, what you end up with is a setup transaction that has for Alice, Bob, and Charlie, has three inputs and one output. The one output is basically just the three of three multi-sig, uh, which with Schnorr will also be uh, getting much smaller because we can aggregate uh, signatures into one single uh, signature. Um, and for the settlement or the commitment, we end up with a single transaction that spends the output from the setup transaction and splits out the funds to uh, to Alice, Bob, and Charlie. So we end up with a, a single transaction with one input and three outputs. Now that's, that's sort of the ideal case where we just have two transactions representing however many updates we had in between, however many channels we created or tore down and uh, or refunded or whatever. Um, in the non-ideal scenario where we end up with a uh, um, with an like closed yeah, um, where one party basically just disappears and doesn't collaborate anymore, then we end up with a setup transaction that looks identical uh, with a settlement transaction that uh, looks almost identical, except it has for each of the nested channel, it has an additional output. And each of these additional outputs would then need, again, to have a closed transaction at the end. Um, So we would have a slightly bigger bigger footprint. But if we compare it to, let's just create all of these these, uh, channels on-chain, we would end up with a footprint that is comparable, if not a lot smaller, because, well, all of the channels that we settled off-chain already do not need to have an, uh, an output on the, uh, on the settlement transaction. And therefore, we save on, on both uh, blockchain space, but also on the UTXO set that, that we create at uh, in, in the intermediate steps as well. So yeah, we basically so- save on churn in, in the Bitcoin network.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that those are all, they're all fantastic points that you're making there. So um, one of my earlier episodes with Shinobi, or, aka Brian Trolls, mentioned that one of the concerns is around not just the blockchain size, but also each computer being able to maintain the UTXO set and obviously that was one concern that he uh, that you know uh, people who are kind of thinking out ahead are are considering and another thing I'll just give a bit of context for the listeners here so just reading from your paper from 2016 it says here for a group of 20 users with 100 intragroup channels the cost of the blockchain transactions is reduced by 90 percent compared to 100 regular micropayment channels open on the blockchain and this can be increased further to 96% if bitcoin introduces schnorr signatures with signature aggregation so hopefully that just gives the listeners some picture on exactly how massive the savings could be
1: oh yeah schnorr definitely is cool and we should we should we should get it as soon as possible we've we've been itching to do it for such a long time now But Fantastic! Because we could not agree on one construction or another, but we seem to hone in on on, on the on the final and bestest version ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, so now let's talk about this idea of being able to, uh, so with a channel factory, being able to take someone in without an on-chain transaction and take someone out without an off-chain
1: transaction. Can you explain that for the listeners? Uh so you're referring to splicing? Yes. Um that sadly is an on-chain transaction. Right. Yeah. Um so the uh the the idea of splicing, which we are also considering to to add uh to, to Lightning itself, is basically uh to temporarily close a channel and then reopen it in the same transaction. And the whole security of, of these off-chain protocols relies on the funds. In that off-chain protocol, never being able to, uh, never being available to a single party, but also being under, uh, uh, but always being under control of all party uh, participants in this off-chain contract. And if we close a transact, uh, if we close a channel and reopen it right away, then uh, the uh, the funds never actually are under control of a single party, but always remain under the control of uh, of all parties involved, so we can uh, uh, we can uh, um, create uh, we can do this this close and reopen motion without uh, without stopping updates to to the channel itself and without having to wait for this uh, for this splice transaction as we call it to confirm on chain. So that's the basic right. concept of of splicing. Um, but uh, why would you do that? Is uh, now is the question uh, that uh, that might come to mind. Is basically that uh, for Lightning, what we'd like to do is basically be able to add funds from outside to a channel. So we settle it to the 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 channel, add uh, an additional input to the closed transaction, and then the uh, the reopen transaction just has a single output, which combines the funds from both parties, right? So if we if we wanted uh, if we want to look at it uh, in a in a more visual way then then we can think of it like me adding like ten dollars on the table and we create a channel between the two of us and now somebody else joins the table and puts five dollars on the table we wait for this for this five dollars on the table to confirm and then we decide okay let's split you in and now we have a three party channel that basically has fifteen dollars. Um, in uh, uh, in lightning this joining party would be uh, would need to be one of us because well they are limited to two parties but with the uh, with uh, with multi uh, multi-party channels we can actually add or remove additional people and the reason why this is exciting for lightning for example is because it allows you to uh, to add funds to an existing channel in case you run, start running out of money um, or what's more interesting even is that we can so all of a sudden create off, uh, on-chain transactions from an off-chain contract. So uh, we can basically say, okay, uh, you and I have a channel open for uh, 10 uh, Bitcoin and now I go, uh, have a vendor where, uh, that asks me to pay one Bitcoin on-chain. Now I can, uh, I can go to you and say, hey, let's do a splice out. Let's close the channel splits uh, one bitcoin off to the direction of this vendor that i'm trying to pay and then we re-establish the original channel with just nine of the bitcoins that remain right um, and this this at least in lightning allows us to uh, to remove this differentiation between on-chain and off-chain funds because all of the funds that we have off-chain are still usable on-chain for transactions and this is this is a huge win for uh, for us, I think, because it allows us to simplify the user experience by quite a lot. Now, with multi-party channels, we can uh, we can increase and reduce the set of participants in our uh, in our off-chain uh, protocol quite easily by just adding or removing parties, and so this this. Becomes this breathing mechanism where we add and remove people as we need and as they want to join or leave our uh, our small off chain protocol, and uh, it just adds a lot of flexibility to where do we allocate funds and with whom we want to trade, and we can we can do that all with a single transaction on the uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain.
0: Yeah, fascinating stuff, and I think it might be interesting now just to talk about what might some of the risks. Uh, be with a channel factory model. So what about a risk that a channel factory participant goes unresponsive or offline?
1: Yes, so the <clears throat> the the main advantage of having a, a channel factory is indeed that we can do uh, we can do off chain creation, off chain uh, teardown of channels. But that requires every uh, every participant to be online at the same time, because so that they can sign off on on changes. So if a participant in, in our off chain contract becomes unresponsive, then what we uh, what we can't do anymore is create updates to this structure of channels that we've built on top of uh, of our uh, of our off chain contract, because we can't sign off on changes anymore. Uh, But what we uh, what we retain is the flexibility to then still use the existing channels and make updates there. And maybe he comes back, and then we can just continue where we left off. Or if he becomes unresponsive and does not come back, we can eventually then uh, settle the the off chain contract on chain. Which then, by settling, we also create the uh, the payment channels that were spun off uh, were nested into this off chain contract. And uh, we can then either continue using those channels as if nothing happened, or we can decide to to settle these channels as well. But in that case, we'd uh, we'd have to settle them on chain. Um, so there is there is this dual closure uh, in case of a um, uh, of a party becoming unresponsive, and that's let's settle the off chain contract, uh, let's settle the in the multi uh, the channel factory. And then we settle the uh, the uh, lightning uh, channels that we built on top of it. Um, yeah, so so that's one of the main uses for, for a channel factory and why we spin up uh, smaller channels on top of a channel factory is exactly that we don't want to have a single party basically controlling the liveness of our contract.
0: Right. So if I understand you correctly, the idea is, let's say you and I, we have like, 18 friends and we get together and form a 20 person channel factory but then say bob bob's an and he's you know he's he goes offline all right but you and i still have our channel going and we can still transact that's basically what would happen absolutely
1: okay great and then so go on you you probably you probably shouldn't open a channel factory with people that you Think might become uh, unavailable immediately because then you've just went through the the entire setup and then only to then tear it down. So there is there is a little bit of uh, of uh, when, when you choose your party, uh, your uh, the other parties in the channel. You should probably use people that you might know by name and then sort of can trust that they will stay responsive, or a or a provider of uh, of some sorts that has a reputation for for remaining online uh, but uh it's it's quite likely that if you were to just re- pick random people out of the network you'd end up with people that uh, that uh, run on mobile phones and therefore just well disappear at at a moment's notice so <laughs>
0: <laughs> right so maybe it relies on maybe a vision where people do something like the Casa node where they've got one at home yeah. And they pair or some some sort of setup where they have a node at home and they pair their mobile phone back with their node back at home, and then they do a setup that way. Is that kind of more in line with what you're saying there?
1: yeah. so so that's that's definitely a model. I'm personally inclined to think this might evolve because it it gives us the these these very stable nodes that you can basically just plug back at home and and act as a home hub. Uh, sort of to start name-squatting that hub term that people seem <laughs> to like about lightning. Um, but uh, uh, And, and that, that would give you this uptime that, that you require. Uh, but, I mean, failures happen, and, uh, and these channel factories might not be online 24-7, but as long as, it's, uh, as you have a channel built on top of a channel factory that you can use for your day-to-day expenses, you should be fine
0: right and i think it's similar to people were saying um it's not that you're you need to have perfect 24 7 connectivity like your phone could drop off and come back on later that day and likely you would not have lost funds out of that or you, you likely would not have um i guess the only thing there would be if you accidentally broadcast an old state and somebody punishes you yeah could you comment on that a little bit
1: so the um yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the punishments is a part of the lightning design, which I'm very critical of. So, I, I might be biased a bit, but uh, <laughs> um, it uh, it basically comes down to if uh, if we well, what we do to to update our state is basically I promise to you that uh, that I won't use an all state, and I give you uh, uh, give you something to punish me if I ever do right. And in 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 uh, lightning, this is basically just just a signature or a pre-image um, that, uh, that you required to to steal my funds, basically. So the punishment basically ends up you, uh, uh, for the cheating party to lose your, the entirety of your funds if, uh, if the cheated party reacts in time before the, this timeout expires, right? Um, so this has some really nasty properties because... Well, if I just promise to you that uh, that I won't use the old state and then I have forgotten that I promised this to you, um, or when I, for example, back up my, my, uh, my Lightning node and then restore, then I end up with an old state and I don't remember that I promised to you that I wouldn't use it anymore, right? So um, I might cheat by accident, and that will lose me money. Um, this is also why we tell people, please don't back up your your, cha- uh, your Lightning nodes, because, well, if you then try to restore, it might be really, really painful for you. And that happened to me, by the way, I, I managed to to restore an old node, which I was really sure I I, I had backed up the latest state, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be cheating, but lo and behold, I basically lost my 10 bucks that I had in this channel. Uh, so this is this is for Lightning, basically. This is the penalty-based mechanism where uh, we ensure that all states don't make it to the Bitcoin blockchain by punishing you if that happens. But there's a number of other constructions that are a bit more forgiving. Um, uh, for example, uh, our L2. paper from last year called L2, which uh, basically just strings along these updates, and you can uh, you can override the effects of any um, uh, of any transaction that leaks onto the blockchain with a later one. So, if uh, if I were to uh, to accidentally cheat by publishing an old state, you'd basically allow this transaction to be uh, to be part of the blockchain, confirm it, because I paid fees for it. Um, And then you'd come along and say, hey, by the way, here's a newer one, whatever you try just try to do, add uh, add this update transaction to uh, to this chain of updates. And you'd basically be overriding whatever effects I wanted to have. And the effects in this case are basically, hey, I wanted to have this old state where I maybe had 10 Bitcoins instead of just the five Bitcoins I have now. So we, uh, you basically just override my 10 bitcoins to me and zero to you with a five and five that, that we agreed on much later. Um, So this is, this is not a penalty based mechanism because well accidents happen and you just oh correct my mistake. Uh, It's still not free because I'm still paying fees, but it's a bit more forgiving. I usually compare it to a death by, by a thousand cuts compared to be heading right away. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think a paper cut should be painful enough for you not to try too often, but it should also not be fatal.
0: Right. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so I
1: think now it might be
0: interesting to just talk about the interaction of channel factories with some other lightning concepts or technologies. Mm-hmm. So we've spoken a little bit about the interaction with things like splicing. Um, what about something like... AMP would a channel factory construction or change the way we think of? uh, Just for the listeners who aren't aware, AMP is multi-path routing. So, could you just explain um, what the differences or what the impact might be?
1: Yeah. So, uh, basically, the um, the channels that we build in the channel factory are fully functional channel uh, channels, right? So there is very little that we that we actually need to uh to consider there from a from a pure layering perspective so uh at least amp will be will be perfectly usable for uh, for this kind of uh of channels uh onion routing will be perfectly usable um there's a very clear separation between the channel factory and the channels we create on top of it so um yeah there there Really, is very little uh, uh, um, uh, difference. But what we can do is basically, if we are sure enough that that the uh, that the channel factory participants are um, uh, are going to be online uh, with a higher reliability, then we can collapse these channels and the channel factory itself, which uh, which is a rather interesting uh, concept because it allows us to. Um, not have the added complexity of actually bootstrapping channels on top of what's already an off chain contract, but we can do the updates that we want to do directly on the uh, on the off chain contract that is our channel factory um, so if we if we want to go back to Alice Bob and Charlie uh, having a having a, a, a an off chain protocol um, let's say just each has three bitcoins in there just for simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to transfer one Bitcoin from Alice to Bob, now we could create a channel for, uh, between Alice and Bob for, let's say, two Bitcoins, and then do the transfer on top of, uh, of that channel. Or we could just say, hey, uh, let's do this transfer directly on, uh, uh, on the off-chain contract without creating a, a special uh, channel uh, for it first. Let's just say, okay, our next update Alice has 2 bitcoins and Bob has 4. So that's perfectly legal and we can we can start moving funds back and forth without having to go to, through this indirection of uh, of bootstrapping lightning channels on top of the the channel factory itself. Uh, this has the disadvantage that every participant in this uh, in this off-chain protocol needs to sign off on these changes, but it has the big uh, big advantage that we are no longer as uh, uh, allocating funds to individual pairs of uh, of participants, but we retain this freedom of moving funds from any participant to any other participant uh, at the same speed that we would have if we were to create a channel and then uh, uh, send over there. Um, so we're not splitting funds into pair trading pairs anymore, but we retain this flexibility of Anybody can receive from anybody else, and for the full amount that we that they have in this channel in the first place. And if we were to go for uh, for a system that uh, that is a bit different from Bitcoin, let's say we have assets, for example, um, like Liquid, for example, does, um, and we have unique assets that we can send back and forth. Let's say crypto on Liquid. Uh, these can't really be, be traded on, on a uh, on a lightning system because well the the asset that i'm sending and then forward through different hops is not the one that I, that will end up at the at the recipient right but by having this freedom of just reassigning ownership freely inside of our multi-party channel we can uh, we can have this transfer of even unique assets between the participants Without uh, without having to uh, to use on-chain transactions,
0: right? Now, and so, w- would this construction be called something different to channel factories? Is, has it got a name?
1: Uh, I usually just refer to it to multi-party channels.
0: Uh, right. So it's more mm-hmm. like a generic multi-party channel concept, as opposed to the channel factory specific concept.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the channel channel factory uh, concept is basically a multi-party channel where. The artifacts that we create through the uh, through the off chain contract through the multi party contract are channels, uh, whereas whereas the more generic one allows you to to have free reassignment of uh, of funds and and tracked assets or whatever whatever you're doing on this uh, on this off chain contract in the first place.
0: Right. So perhaps we should be calling it multi party channels. Just gen- the general case. Then. Okay. Fantastic. And let's talk now about and maybe this is a little bit related, um, but the impact of things like watchtowers onto multi-party channels. Can you comment on that?
1: Yeah, so uh, watchtowers basically are just a mechanism for us to make sure that if somebody misbehaves, the appropriate reaction is, uh, uh, is taken, right? So we uh, this is this is sort of instead of us having to watch directly the blockchain, we outsource that watching to somebody else, as a, as an addition to our own capabilities. Because we might be running on a phone, right? So we might not be uh, we might not be able to react in time to our cheating counterparty. We basically give the Watchtower the ability to uh, to react to whatever happens on chain. By uh, by sending our latest states to the watchtowers and saying, "Hey, uh, if you see something, do something," um, and uh, uh, and this general concept remains valid for both the, you know, the multi-party channels as well as the as the lightning channels that we build on top of a channel factory. For example, it basically is just, "Hey, uh, here's an auto, here's a canned response if." This, you see this on chain, then resp- uh, respond with this, uh, uh, with this uh, response uh, that, that I just gave you. Um, now, the complexity is, uh, comes from uh, which update mechanism we use, right? So for the lightning penalty mechanism, for example, we need for each state that we agreed upon, we need to tell the, the watchtower, hey, uh, if you see this state on the, uh, on the blockchain, this is how you should react. Um, and that basically means that for each update, the watchtower has to keep a separate bundle of, of information, and this uh, this bundle grows uh, over time, and, and the more we use the channel, the more the watchtower has to keep in mind. With other constructions, this becomes a lot easier uh, because, uh, for example, with the L2 mechanism, what we do is we basically have this Overriding of uh, of whatever uh, whatever happened before, so what we give the watchtower is a si- uh, is a simple um, uh, constant size bundle that uh, can replace every uh, every update that we that we gave him before. So it it makes watchtowers is a lot easier because you you you're not requiring it to have an ever growing set of uh, of of uh, reactions. But you say, hey, you see this reaction, it basically subsumes whatever happened before. And you can always apply it to what uh, what you see on chain if, if this were to happen.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about what is required uh, in terms of what technology we have today and what we've got on Bitcoin and Lightning today versus if we wanted to try and get channel factories or the more gener- generic or general concept of multi-party channels? Is it SIG hash, no input? Is it L2? What, what's required?
1: Yeah. So uh, the, the simplest idea of uh, of a multi-party channel is implementable today. Uh, my, uh, my uh, paper from four years ago called duplex micropermium channels already had this idea of, of uh, creating multi-party channels and, the reason I w- it was never adopted was basically Lightning had more uh, had was had more traction, and the footprint of, of duplex micropayment channels is uh, is uh, is a lot bigger than uh, um, than for example Lightning. Now with L2 we were able to grab some of these features back from um, from duplex micropayment channels, and hopefully we will be able to integrate L2 into Lightning so that we can take advantage of this as well. Um, But L2 requires us to have a a change uh, in the Bitcoin protocol itself. This change is called seekhash no input, and and it basically allows us to to have this overriding of whatever came before, because what uh, what we want to do is have this one response that can be bound to whatever we have seen on chain and be able to override whatever happens there. And this this change basically allows us to rewrite the response in a very subtle way, so that it can attach to whatever we want to respond to, and uh, that's currently being discussed. Um, just today, I got a new email about uh, how to uh, how to improve the security of this because there are some security concerns. But I'm pretty positive that that the general concept is is pretty well uh, received in the Bitcoin community, and that we might soon see progress on this together with Schnorr and Taproot. Now Schnorr and Taproot are also interesting for us because they actually reduce our uh, our on-chain footprint further by by basically reducing the number of signatures we need and by hiding the uh, the scripts that we need that would give away that we were using a a channel factory or a a multi-party channel by by just making it look like a normal transaction from one participant to another participant. So, keeping my fingers crossed, I'm I'm hopeful that we will see this in the near future. Uh, and no, I'm not making any predictions on timing because well, Segwit taught us that lesson.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't going to ask that question next. I I know <laughs> better. I know better. <laughs> but I will ask uh, a, a, an even more crazy question now. Some of the, let's call it the, the B casher steel man, right? So some uh, big blocker types, they pose this question or challenge and they say, well, hey, what about in the future if, say, um, a person who is not a Bitcoin baller, let's say, let's say someone, you know, doesn't have a big Bitcoin stash and therefore in the future in in this kind of hypothetical high fee model that you know, people would not be able to run a fully validating, trust minimized Bitcoin Lightning Network stack, say, and that they may need to trust, you know, trust Bitcoin banks of the future. Um, Do you believe that with technology like multi-party channels, that that kind of trust will not be necessary? Or, Or perhaps maybe it's going to be more like an ecosystem and there'll be you know, some multiple options, like some people who just stay Bitcoin on chain and some people who are somewhere in the middle and then some people who just go lightning custodial. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: So I, I always uh, thought that, uh, trusting a third party was uh, the whole model of Bitcoin cash. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see that as much as a criticism <laughs> as a suggestion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean the, um, Running Lightning and and running a full stack off of a fully verified node and the Lightning client and then uh, and then managing your own channels is currently quite hard. Uh, it's definitely not for a faint hearted to 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 sort of uh, create uh, set up and 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 uh, and operate. Um, so <clears throat> I think over time we will we will end up with a with a range of solutions that. Uh, that cover all of your uh, all of the individual uh, requirements as well as the uh, as uh, solutions adapted to your own skills and your will of 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 reading into this stuff right I mean we we can't really force people to to use to go this this really uh, um, to take ownership of their of their own funds and then take the time to invest in and read up on stuff and best practices and I mean this is hard for people that that uh, that are working on this 24/ 7. Uh, what we can do is create as uh, as nice of a solution and as secure of a solution that, that we can and give people the option of, of using it. So I totally see that uh, some people will choose custodial wallets and we should not make make fun of them. we should not, we should not shame them into uh, into having to invest uh, the time to read up on stuff and and become experts in, in lightning because well that's the only true way of using uh, of using Bitcoin. I, I think for for Bitcoin or lightning to become really usable, we need to give people the option. Make sure these options are viable and they they present better trade offs than than whatever uh, solution we are competing with. But if, uh, uh, if people still want to choose custodial wallets, that's perfectly fine, as long as there is a migration path for them to actually take ownership. So if, if a custodial wallet is, uh, is trying to lock people into using, uh, into only ever using this, this custodial wallet, I'm definitely against it. But if a custodial wallet provides information and it provides the necessary uh, uh, data dumps to... to May uh, to to migrate to somewhere else and keep you mobile and and keep you uh, uh, allow you to to basically upgrade at a later point in time. I think it's a perfect onboarding strategy for uh, for us to pursue. Um, always with the with the uh, with the warning labels attached of hey, you are actually trusting a third party and and you should you should maybe consider doing something more but we can't really force people. Um, as for as for the criticism that people might not be able to create ten cent channels uh, on uh, on Bitcoin, well, I think those become viable again once once the uh, the Lightning Network has taken away uh, from the overall load from uh, from Bitcoin, and we have shifted this. This uh, mass of uh, of uh, tiny transactions uh, into into Lightning, we might make space and we might lower fees enough so that people can actually use uh, use smaller cha- channels again and depend uh, and, and basically also allow for people that might not have tens or th- hundreds of dollars to actually use this technology uh, in emerging countries or so.
0: Yeah, I think and I think that's a great answer. And I think ultimately it's still it still comes to that question of, you know, we can't just sort of compromise on Bitcoin security to try and make it more accessible for everyone right now. It has to be sort of be done the right way. And I think um hopefully with this multi party channel construction sort of ten, fifteen years down the line, it might again, nobody can predict the future, but that might be a more feasible way to get people using Lightning with yeah. In a fully validating stack, possibility at least, even if they don't choose to use that themselves, um, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, Go also on. by by having multiple people pool their funds, you make this much much more affordable uh, to the individual by basically splitting the cost of managing one of these multi-party channels or channel factories uh, over the now bigger set of of users that that can participate to pay for uh, for the on-chain fees.
0: Right, yeah. Okay, and I guess kind of the last question I've got um, is in such a world where, let's say, Bitcoin's uh, blockchain, you know, the the blocks do start to become full and is the overall ecosystem in such a world, in your view, is it dependent on there being enough full node runners and self-sovereign people to try and maintain the overall system
1: health? Um. So I, I think that should always be our, our goal, right? We should always allow people to to uh, to independently verify the uh, the blockchain. So keeping keeping this load uh, sort of doable even for low powered uh, uh, devices and and maybe two generations ago of laptops, that that should always be doable. I think that's that's not a uh, not so much a question of should should. Should it be allowed? But what can we do to enable that? Uh, it's it's about this personal freedom of of being of being able to choose to to do this and uh, and to verify it, uh, uh, verify the entire blockchain and, and be able to to set up your stack. So we are working really hard on on enabling people to to do that and and be as uh, self sufficient as possible. So this is this is not a choice of should we allow it, but so much more of how do we do it.
0: Fantastic answer, Christian. Uh, look, I think that's um, pretty much all we've got time for today. But uh, Christian, I'd love for you to just tell the listeners where they can uh, find you, and just if you've got any uh, closing comments on what they can look for coming up from you guys, maybe at Blockstream or anything you've got coming up.
1: Oh, there's there's so much coming up for for the for Lightning. Uh, we we just had the uh, we we just visited your home country in uh, Australia <laughs> last last year uh, to to talk about all of this and the 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 ideas we we have on the roadmap are just so fantastic uh, they include splicing they include multi-party channels they include the introduction of Schnorr signatures uh, there's there's just so much going on uh, I. Probably would let, uh, would miss like ninety percent of, of the stuff, but keep your eyes peeled on uh, on on what's coming up. There's there's some huge stuff in there. Um, as for where people can find me, I'm at uh, Snike S N Y K E on Twitter, and I'm cdecker on GitHub. And if you have any questions, I'm open for all of them. I'm ha- always happy to talk about this this cool technology.
0: All right, excellent. Well. Thank you very much for coming on, Christian. And we're going to leave it there. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, make sure you subscribe and press like. All right. Thanks, Christian, for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed that discussion on some potential ways that the Lightning Network can scale even further than what it already permits today. And as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you share it with your friends. And in fact retweet this podcast and tag all your friends who you would want to set up a channel factory or some form of multi-party channel with all right so i'll leave you guys with that any feedback come and find me on twitter my handle is at stefan Levera. my dms are open and as usual the show notes are on my website stefanlevera.com thanks guys see you next time